Hi, welcome to episode two of Garrick Chats with with James and Ellie. We're all on our own. Where's Not Nina, got though? Nina. It's just the two of us, so we've got to try and hold the fort. So, what's been going on with your life, Ellie? What are you been up to? You are uh, seeing the new roadmap that Bojo's put in place. Yeah, we've got to go back to college. You get to see me every single day. It'll be uh, good seeing everyone again, seeing uh, everyone since we've not seen them for over a year. But I'm feeling good. I'm liking this week. Yeah, so the first guest we actually had on that we interviewed for the podcast. Yeah, back in November. That feels like quite a long time ago, to be fair. I know. Well, uh, the podcast last week went quite well i feel like thank you to everybody that listened to last week's episode with julie um it was a very big success for our first podcast we released i know i'm thinking this week's will be as well why who have we got on this week ellie this week we've got greg parkinson he's quite a bit of a household name i'm sure a few of you have seen line of duties on tv at the minute they're they're doing reruns of it aren't they for the new upcoming series that's coming out yeah so we spoke to Craig back in November uh, he had a really busy schedule because he was filming in Brighton he was very tired but he was keen to fit us in uh yeah we spoke to Craig about um his career um and all the opportunities he's had and he gave some good advice for us youngsters at the Garrick for uh, a career in acting but that's enough from us without further ado here is episode two Garrick chats with Craig Parkinson enjoy there we go. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello, you all right? Yes, are you? I'm very tired. Oh, well, thanks for coming on. It's all right, don't worry. Are you at home or are you on location? No, I'm in Brighton in a jury's inn. All right, okay. At least they're um, putting you up in style then. Oh, yes. No, yeah. It's all, it's all glamour for ITV. Yeah. Look, I'm not, I'm not moaning. I feel very, very lucky to be working. It's, it's yeah, yeah. this odd times how are you guys you're right good yeah, yeah good thank you um so this is ellie and james both two of our students um in the seniors so in our um our eldest group yep. and we're just going to pass it over to ellie and james now i know they've been really excited to chat with you so uh james yeah great to meet you so you've done a lot of interesting and exciting projects with acting and now you're moving into the podcast world but um, how was it that you actually got into the arts? Well, um, I grew up in Blackpool and in Lancashire. It's not there anymore, not at the, the campus it was. After you left school from wherever you were around Lancashire, you would go to a place called Blackpool and File College. And they did uh, a one and a two year course, which was a, like a nice foundation um before you stepped up and went to drama school um and everybody throughout Lancashire would go there and um before me like David Thewlis went there and John Sim went there um so you knew that that was sort of the gateway so instead of just doing drama you know once a week at school with you know not necessarily everybody that, that did the drama classes at school was there to study drama they just thought it was a bit of a dos um but then after you leave school you you went there and you're with full of just like-minded people who were really focused and really wanted to learn so we're all like you know all massive sponges um and it was a great training great grounding i mean a lot of fun um the hours the hours really um were helpful 
because they were very long, very, very long hours. Um, and that's like drama school. You know, you don't, you don't punch in at nine and check out at five. You know, if you're still working at 10, 10.30 at night, then that's just the way it is. Um, and also all these foundations are fantastic for when you do go into the business uh, as a career. So whether you're doing your theatre or you're doing very long 12, 13 hours uh, on set, um, it just paves the way. It's all, all good grounding. But, you know, you, you're forever learning anyway with this, which is why it's such a a tough but incredible career. But, yeah, no, I, look, I've been very, very lucky um, working with brilliant people who are, in, you know, inspiring I mean, there's been a few that aren't inspiring, but you know, you can't have it. You can't have it. Um, you can't be that lucky all the time, can you? Did you go to Mount View after Black? I did. I've been looking at Mount View for um, going to drama school. It's one of my choices. What was that like? Um, I mean, I don't regret it, but looking back, I did think I was a bit young. Hmm. Uh, my goddaughter, who's just in her first year of uni at Leeds at the moment, um, really wants to go. And I've said, well, you know, finish uni and then go, because you'll be, you'll be, you'll be much older, but you'll still be young, but you won't be 17, 18. You know, you'll have had a bit more life experience. And that's, it's as cliche as it sounds, it's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in hindsight, I think I was too young. Um, was it a great course? I don't know. Um, is it a good course now? Yes, it is. Uh, they've changed campus. They're in Peckham. They've had a lot of money spent on the new buildings, great facilities. The uh, the head there now is great. He's fantastic. He's very nurturing and inspiring for the students. And I've been back. I've been um, I've been back a few times since he's took over. So it's nice to keep in touch with them. And I think it's, you know, drama schools go up and down. Um, and you know, people say, oh, well, this is the favourite drama school this year, or this is this. Um, you know, if you can apply for as many as possible, because then you'll get a taste, you'll get a feeling um, for if you fit within their mold do you know what i mean so yeah don't i don't think put all your eggs in one basket are there any other places that you were looking at uh, other than mount view um i was looking at lambda as well um drama center was on the list but i didn't think that was going to be the right training for what i wanted um but yeah lambda was a, a another hot favorite but and the only reason I went to Mountview because somebody else I knew was going to Mountview and I was moving Blackpool to London when I was 17 and just thought, well, I need to want to make sure I know somebody. Um, but, you know, I've learnt as, I learned as much there as I needed to. But you're thrown so much, you don't use it all straight away. You certainly don't use it in those three years you're still using things now and you go, Oh God, I thought I'd never need, I'd never need that, but it's there. You put it in, you know, your imaginary sort of rucksack and you just, you pull these tools out as and when you need them over the years for, for whatever vocation it is, whether it's, you know, theater, TV or film, 
or whatever role. So what advice do you think you could give us as a youth theatre? Because obviously a lot of us are looking at going to drama school. I'm looking at possibly Mountview or other schools in London. Um, but for me to move to London right now, it's it's going to be a massive jump. You know, I'm going to need a lot more money than I've got now. A lot of us are because you know, we're not all very well off. Um, so do you have any advice on working I, our way I, up without that money? I would say um, you don't necessarily need to go to London just because that's a route that so many people have taken. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be that anymore. Um, I know Birmingham have uh, great facilities and great courses, Manchester, um, Bristol, especially. Bristol's great. It's a very vibrant art scene in Bristol. Um, I, I would, as with anything, do your research and don't fit. How old are you now? 17. Yeah. Look, give yourself a couple of years. You don't need to just leg it there and get there quick. Get to know get to know you more before you go. I think that's I would have liked someone to have said that to me. I mean, I wouldn't have listened because I was 17. I don't listen to anybody. But um, I mean, I do now. I didn't then. Um, but yeah, that, that would be my advice. Just take your time. How many um, sort of auditions would you say did before you landed um like your first gig and what age was like your sort of your first significant role in something um i got my first job a week after drama school um and it was a musical it's very odd very odd thing because i can't really sing <laughs> but i've got a very deep voice so i can fake being a singer so I think I just filled a gap that they wanted. I was just like a number. Um, and I, I found it incredibly difficult because it's not my skill set. And you're working around in really fantastic singers and these performers. That's not really my thing. So I was just trying to work out what, what was my thing. Um, and then I slowly, after that, I got offered another musical weirdly um which i took because i was going from being a student earning you know part-time pizza hut wages which is nothing to like 400 and something pound a week and it was like there's a lot of money um and i can afford to be and live in london and do things um so it afforded me that but it also educated me in what I didn't want to do, and I certainly didn't want to do that. But audi auditions are always terrifying, but work breeds work. So the more auditions you go on, the better you will be at auditions. Now, that's not to say that the nerves are going to subside or you, you, you're going to carry around the feeling of, oh, you did a terrible meeting and it's going to be with you for a few days, because it might be. And you go, why did I say that? Oh, my God, what did I do? I had no control. What was I doing? But you do learn to use them for you, because they're, 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 audition is your time. It's not anybody else's. And you don't have to walk into a room. Um, the worst thing to do is to walk into a room cap in hand and with, uh, with an air of... Um, 
apologizing. Don't apologize to be there. You've been asked to be there. And also the other thing is they want to cast that role. Regardless of how someone may come across, they want you to be good because they're looking to cast the role. So, but you can, you can only do so much. If you've done your research and you've done your preparation, go with that, trust your gut, but also be adaptable in the audition room because the director wants to know, well, not so much anymore because it's very hard because everything's remote. Um, they want to know what you're like as a person and they want, to have, they want to have somebody who's got ideas, who's got a take on the character. So choose, make your choices. And if they're a bold choice, it's a bold choice. But if you believe in it and you can sell that character, stick with it. But as I say, be adaptable because they want to know whether you can take direction. I, I had a question. What, what musicals were you in, Craig? Oh, God. <laughs> I was in um, uh, Matanguerre, which was an old French film. Um, and Whistle Down the Wind, again, an old film, great film, though. Terrible musicals. <laughs> so how did you get into sort of film and TV then from musicals? What was that like, that journey? Well, ha having realised that one, musicals was definitely not for me, um, I went, right, I'm never doing that again, because that's just, it's too, it's just too fucking hard. Um, so I went to Regent's Park, open air theater and did a season there, um, which was ironically two uh, Shakespeare's and a musical, but it's Pirates of Penzance, which is a great musical and you don't really have to sing well to, to, to do that. So that was fine and it was a lot of fun. And it was part of the package. You have to do, you have to do the two Shakespeare's and you have to do the musical and that's just what it is. And then I think uh, casting directors come, came to see that and I started, oh, I moved agents. That really helped. Um, and then I slowly started to do little scenes in comedies on telly and that sort of stepped up to being like uh, guest leads in series. And um, you just take it where you get it and start showing your face around the more casting directors you meet. Um, and then, but they'll always try and go, oh, right, well, he's, he's funny. So he, he, he does the comedy route. And then you have to constantly try and break out of that. Um, because you go, well, I, I don't want to be pigeonholed, but you will be, and that's just the way it is. Um, so you have to constantly try to fight against it but also embrace it at the same time because you want to learn but the, on the other thing the other hand you don't want to say yes to everything early on yeah because you have to you know there's no sort of rep company theatres anymore where you go and do like a summer season and you're doing like loads of different plays and you can do loads of different parts it doesn't happen like that um I suppose when I was starting out uh you're too young to remember this i'm sure but there was a, a television police show called the bill and it was on eight yeah. o'clock oh, you remember the bill right yeah so that was like your theater rep but for telly so you would go to do the, uh, an episode or two of the bill and everybody's done the bill it's just a, it's a machine and it works it's a bit like casualty or whole be now or doctors doctors is probably like 
the new bill. You don't get paid very much. Uh, it's a very fast turnaround. So you've got to bring your A game and be on it. And you'll just learn loads about being in front of the camera. The best thing to do is get out there and do it. Would you say you prefer working on um, TV shows or doing film stuff? Like what's been a better experience for you personally? Um, well, personally, I prefer television. I I like the way it works. I know I feel comfortable there because I know what I'm doing. Um, and even if I don't know what I'm doing, then I've been doing it long enough that I'm all right to sort of raise my hand and go, sorry, I don't understand here what we're doing, what's going on, or how can I approach this in a different way? Um, I think, you know, it's all right to say you don't know what's going on or always ask questions. You should always ask questions. I mean, not to the point where it's counterproductive or it's slowing things down, but I suppose don't be afraid of being, I mean, don't be shy. But it's all about reading the room on a set. You know, it's not all about you. The technicians have been there since five o'clock in the morning. You're handed a cup of tea and you're swanning in and you're going to do your lines. Don't, you know, the world does not revolve around you. This is a team effort. So it's about being part of an ensemble, which you are. But I love being with a character and spending time with a character in telly. And whether that's um, over the course of six, eight, ten episodes or three, four, five series, that way the writer caters for you because they go, well, I know what I know how Craig plays his character, so this will be good. And it's just again, it's all about relationships. You form relationships. Working relationships are fantastic to do that. So that's why I love telly uh, more, even though, look, film's great. So when you did Black Mirror, because um, obviously that was a film, but it was a lot different to your standard yeah. um, film. So, because obviously it was set out more like a video game and for most scenes, there were several different ways that scene went. Yeah, that's why it took so long. You know, the average um, Black Mirror episode takes... Three weeks, and we were seven, something like that. I mean, at, we were st Andrew Scott's came. Andrew Scott came in to do his episode halfway through ours, and he wrapped his, but we were still filming ours at the same time. So that gives you a sense of how long it was. Um, but at the time, it was never pitched as a, a, a movie. It was just going to be uh, a new episode of Black Mirror. And then when it came out and it was just going to be that standalone, you know, I can't even say it's 90 minutes because it just depends on what path you choose. It could be a long, long time. But yeah, no, that was an interesting experience because you just, everybody working on it knew that it never ha it would never happen again. Yeah. But also nobody really knew what was going on. It was kind <laughs> of bonkers. Um, sometimes even Charlie didn't really know, know sort of what was going on it was scrambling everybody's heads but um it was a wild experience because I mean you know I always talk to sort of younger students about that you never stop learning I mean this is just something else my god it was really nuts um but truly incredible and yeah incredibly grateful to be a part of that so was it a sense of you you'd go in you'd film a scene and then you'd film that exact same scene, but with a different outcome, depending on what the users chose then. Yeah, exactly that. Um, so you would have to, I mean, there was times when you would go, 
sorry, I've done this four times now. Where are we? I've I've been chopped up and I'm in the garden. You have to keep up with, I mean, usually with a script, you speak to the script editor and because you, you shoot out of sequence, you go, right, what time is it? What day is it? Where have I been? Have I done that yet or not? Because I haven't got the script to hand and I just try and place it and map it out geographically um, with the story arc. But this, this doing Black Mirror takes it to another extreme. You're constantly asking where you are, what's happened. Right, okay, I know where we are. What time, you know, it was shifting time zones as well. Where are we? What year are we in? Has he, has his mum died yet? Yes, he has. Right, okay, I know where we are. So it's just about, yeah, knowing where you are within within the arc of the story, and which is always the way. But as I say, yeah, Black Mirror just took the person, took it to the extreme a bit. So then moving on, because obviously a lot more people know you for Line of Duty, um, which I really enjoyed, by the way. Um, Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so you were saying before about trying not to be pigeonholed with into comedy characters. Um, so obviously Line of Duty was a lot more serious. So what was that like? Did you find it more difficult than comedy? Or? Um... Well, you see, the thing about Line of Duty is it's his, it's his own sort of beast in itself. Nobody really writes like Jed Mercuria. So it's very hard because you've got very extremely dense dialogue. On top of that, you've got police speak. Now, police speak and medical speak are really hard because you're trying to connect it to something and you go, I've got no frame of reference here. I don't know what a H2C4 case is. And... It scrambles your brain. I mean, I'm doing a detective show at the moment, but luckily I have very little um, police speak. I give all that to John Sim. He has to deal with that and that fries his brain. Um, you're constantly wanting to challenge yourself and you can work as hard as you can, but it's about being given the opportunity to do that and somebody taking a risk on you or a punt or they trust you. And it takes a long time. And now I only got line of duty because Jed had seen a one-off semi-improvised drama that I'd done on BBC Two that was all about excluding children from school. And he saw something in me in that that thought I would be good in that. So, and that was, there was maybe three years, three or maybe three years gap between that so it doesn't matter in the time zone of your career you might do something there and it's only seven years later that somebody goes oh I saw you in that and I really enjoyed it and I thought you'd be good in this people have memories um but I don't know I feel really lucky to be given the chance to do lots of different things um but I was firmly firmly in the comedy bracket and I couldn't get seen for drama before it was after I did a drama called Whitechapel on ITV playing twins and they were really dark characters because they were based on the Cray twins and after that everything changed then it was all drama and I was knocking on the comedy door and I couldn't get back in it was like I'd been thrown out of the club um and yeah and that and that just took me on the drama route really which I feel very fortunate to have gone on and and still be on, you know. Especially I do feel like year. um like 
Dot's character did have really, like, it did have some comedy elements in there though. Like he had some good one-liners. Yeah, no, he did, and like, that's that's what I was saying that. before. When uh, when a writer uh, knows you, sorry, I'm just plugging my computer in. <laughs> when a writer knows you, um, he'll start catering to your strengths. Yeah. So you know, the more we developed Dot, you know, he had a very, you know, quite a snidey, sarcastic sense of humour as well, um, which you know really helped. <laughs> Would you say that your career would have gone down a completely different path if you didn't do Whitechapel then? Do you still think you'd be going down the comedy line then? It's hard to say because every every choice you make will change something, most definitely. But you just have to always trust, always trust your gut and don't do, try not to take a job for somebody else. You know, because you'll do jobs where you need to do it for financial reasons. It just happens. You don't like yourself for it, but you do it and you get over it. And then you say, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to stick to my um, artistic tendencies and follow their wants and needs to the letter. But at the end of the day, you need to pay your mortgage, you need to pay your rent, you need to put food on the table, you need to pay your bills. So obviously you've done a lot of jobs that you've loved and ones not so much. So what made you turn to do podcasting then? Um, it was after I'd come out of line of duty and it was, it was being lauded. It was had great reviews, great nominations, and I couldn't get arrested. I couldn't get scripts. It was like, I've just done the best thing I've ever done and I can't get a job. I can't even get an audition. And it was a very worrying time. Um, and I thought, well, I've got to do something big and brave and be myself and learn a new skill set. And I was very, I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time, not so much anymore. Um, and I was frustrated in the lack of honesty in interviews and how certain interviewers, especially in the podcast world, would turn the conversation um, back on them and make it about them, where it, it took the shine, it took the spotlight off the guest. And I thought, well, if I can learn to do that, then that's quite an interesting take. And if I spoke, to, I'll start off with actors, but I don't want to talk about jobs or anecdotes on set because I find all that stuff quite niche and a bit naff. Uh, whereas if I talked about the human aspect and people's failures and worries and troubles and childhood, then surely that's something that everybody can relate to. Um, and so I just thought, well, I'll start. And then we did. And in the first year we won a British podcast award um, and I've slowly, I still learn on that. I started recorded one the other day. Um, but it's, it's something I really, I really, really enjoy. I really, really enjoy digging and interviewing and talking to people. But it's just about learning, learning to be aversion of yourself. You have to be aversion 
um, but you have to be as honest as you can because sonically, people, I can always tell if someone's faking it or they're lying or they're laughing at something, but they don't find it funny. Um, so I've, it's just about finding finding your own voice, I suppose, if I'm going to put it into a soundbite. Do you have any tips for us then? Because obviously we're looking at doing some more interviews like this in our podcast. Do you have any tips for us, advice? Um, it's really hard to give advice um, because what works for me would not necessarily work for you. And I'm sure if I went back and listened to very, you know, the first few months of podcasts that I recorded, I mean, I never go back and listen. That's like my worst nightmare. That's like watching myself. That's awful. Um, but I would, I'm sure I'd be able to pinpoint and go, mm, yeah, I wouldn't have done that now. Because as ever, you, you learn as you go along. So you learn about what not to say. And it's about... It's about not interrupting somebody if they're in a real flow. But what you have to do is if they're in a flow and they say something that's interesting, you think, oh, that we could go off there. We could go off, off road there. That's really interesting. Let them, let them finish what they're talking about, but keep a log of what you wanted to say in whatever side of the brain. I don't know. Um, but you have to carry on listening. And they go, it's really interesting because you said that before. Oh, yeah, and then you can go back to it. So you're constantly listening without breaking the flow of the conversation. It's, it's really hard. Um, but I'm, I'm quite fascinated with people, obviously, because I'm an actor. But as an interviewer, you have to be genuinely fascinated with people, and I am. Uh, so that, that really helps. Um, just just listen listen and do do as much research as you can even if it gets to the point where you go i'm not going i'm not i won't need it it doesn't matter it's really great to have all that research because if a conversation is stilted or it's not going the way you want it to go you have to keep in control you have to keep in the driver's seat and also it's about being generous because a conversation, you can't have a conversation. Well, you could, you can't have a two-way conversation on your own, can you? So that's where the listening comes in. How do you choose who you want to come on your podcast? Because you've had such a wide variety of people on there. How do you choose a certain person for each episode? Who, I just go with whoever I think I find would be interesting. Or although I again, it's about being fascinated. If I'm interested or fascinated with somebody then I'll approach them and I'll see if they want to come on. Um, and nine times out of 10, they say yes. But we don't have any rehearsal before. It's just we go straight into it and hit record. Um, I think there's only been one... I think there's only been one episode that I didn't enjoy, and it was very early on, and that somebody asked to come on. And now if someone's asking to come on, then they've obviously got an agenda. And I don't really want people to have agendas because it's a very organic, free flow um, interview. So, you know, you can't talk enough on a podcast. That's the great thing. People go, oh God, I just waffled all that. I said, no, 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 you didn't. That's really interesting. Because however boring you might find 
recollect in certain parts of your life that you haven't spoken about in ages, it'll connect and register with a listener and it might mean the world to them. You just don't know who's listening. And that's the exciting thing. So I choose people, I choose people that I would find interesting and I hope that the audience find interesting is, is my honest answer. You wish you got into podcasting earlier then because it sounds like you've had a really enjoyable time with it or just feel like um, once you got into it, it sort of was the perfect time for you to get into it. No, I don't, I don't feel, um, I don't think I would have been emotionally ready to handle or, or been mature enough to navigate the certain conversations that we have because some of them are are very complex and very dark and very personal and very deep um and again it goes back to what i spoke speaking about at the beginning about going to drama school um you know life experience is key and i think because i've had so much life experience here because i started when i hit 40 yeah i think that life experience and I don't think I would have been brave enough, to be honest. I always hated being interviewed, especially if I was on live television, because I had to be me for a second or five minutes or 10 minutes. It's like the worst thing in the world for an actor. But now, because I've been doing this for, you know, for three years, I, I can do talks like this now with people like you, and, and I wouldn't be shy or clam up. I can, you know, the one problem is now shutting me up. That's the thing. <laughs> so, um, so no, it is the answer to the question. No, I think it it happens when it happens. Thank you. Um, I'm just really happy with what you said there. Is how you, how you approach people and um, you you you're really interested in and and they they call, I just want to say thanks because obviously you know I'm interested in your podcast. I love it. Like and especially with what you said with um, you never know who's listening. There's genuinely been times where people on that podcast have said things and they've put things in such perspective for me, especially the, the more than Christy one. And like, I'm really thankful that we've reached out to you and that you've come and done this for us. It means a lot to us. Um, it's a pleasure. We're, we're very, we're very big on getting anyone into theatre, aren't we? And yeah. anyone into drama, like yeah. there's, there's no criteria, there's no audition, there's nothing. As long as you want to come and you want to have fun, that's it. And I think having someone like you on has really, will be really useful and just be a massive thing for us, yeah. won't it? So, thank you. Anytime, oh, any absolute pleasure. I think it's going to be really nice for our other students to sort of listen to your journey um, and take some really good bits of advice. So, thank you very much. Oh, well, I hope so. I hope something, a small portion of it has been in any way useful. Probably quite boring, but still. No, not no. at all. Not at all. Definitely not. Ellie and James, have you got anything to add? Thank you. You've put a lot of things in perspective for me about drama school and my next steps after here. So thank you for that. Oh, no, you're welcome and all the best with it. Thank you. I just want to ask um, a final question. Have you, had, have you either been or is, who was like the most influential person like in your life, which led you down and supported you along your ways in your acting and your podcasting. Like today, me and Ellie, we've got Faye and now Rachel, who have been a big part of us for our acting. 
um, and being very influential for us. Did you have anyone like that? Um, and have you been that person to anyone? Oh, that's such a nice question. Um, have I been that person to anybody? Oh, I don't know. That's not for me to answer. Um, I, I, I like to think so. I mentor um, a young lad that's been having a really tough time since graduation. Uh, and I try and help him as best I can. But you can't hold people's hands. You have to open the door for them and go, okay, look, this is, I think this is what you should do. Try and navigate it like this. Off you go. Or here's a list of people that I think you should write to. There you go. You know, the people have to do these things themselves because that's the only way you would learn. Otherwise, you know, you don't want to be that person sitting the exam for somebody else because they don't know it. Um, but yeah, I, I've had um, my old deputy headmaster from my high school, I'm still in touch with. He's been a, a huge influence and he really helped me at school. Um, my parents are, although, you know, not in the business at all, but wouldn't be anywhere without their support, obviously. And, you know, when you're working, people come in and out of your life who are massive inspirations um, all the time. And that's what makes working in this industry so exciting because you just don't know who you're going to meet so yeah they come in and out all the time and and you know touch mdf they uh, continue to do so i think that's a lovely question to end on um and yeah thanks thanks so much for for doing this for us no no problem and look all the best with it and let's get through these next two weeks of awfulness and hopefully yeah. there's some uh, light on the horizon Two weeks it lasted a bit longer than that didn't it just a bit <laughs> but thank you so much Craig because I've actually re-evaluated my life plan after that um because he gave me lots of advice about drama school and uni and I've actually decided to do film production now so I can find my way in the industry before I figure out what I want to do yeah and he also gave us some good advice for podcasting uh, since he's got his own podcast the two shot podcast and it's such a good podcast, especially for young actors, because he's had such a variety of guests, such as Dermot O'Leary, Jodie Comer. And if you're a Line of Duty fan, then he's had quite a few actors that have been on the show too. So once you've finished listening to this episode, maybe you could head over and have a listen to it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, next week might be back to schools and colleges and uni, but the 8th of March actually means something different to us. It's going to be a special episode for a really important day all over the world. It's International Women's Day. So we've got three guests for a bumper episode. So make sure you watch out social media channels for all of our updates. That's all from us for now. See you next Monday. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by Rachel Fitzgerald for the Stockport Garrick Youth Theatre.